Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode seven of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. Uh, this is for the week of June 1st. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services. And I'm here with Kristen Davenport, Director of Communications for ERS and our executive producer. How are you, Kristen? I am well, Brian. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks so much for asking. Just as a reminder, the Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audience about issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, clients, families, and staff. So Kristen, can you tell us a little bit about what's coming on uh, today's episode? Absolutely, Brian. I'd love to tell you about our guest today. First up, we'll have a conversation with Betty Mitchell. Betty is a resident of St. Paul Village, and she just had her 100th birthday. She's going to tell us about her crochet for a cause project. Then we'll do a weekly check-in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. And we'll finish up our episode today with a conversation with Nancy Spots from Dupree House. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing those. You know, it certainly has been a, a, a turbulent week in our country. And uh, Laura and I had a, a very good discussion about the events of this week and, and really how it relates to our organization and how we view inclusion and diversity as such an important part. So I'm, I'll be looking forward to sharing that. Um, so with that, let's get started with our uh, first interview. You want to inter uh, introduce that? Absolutely, Brian. I'd like to introduce our listeners to Miss Betty Mitchell. Betty is a resident of St. Paul Village. She uh, grew up in Alabama and moved to Cincinnati in the 40s. And she's been a longtime resident of St. Paul Village. Uh, Betty has been very active there um, as long as she's lived there. She just turned 100 recently. We had a parade for her. It was a wonderful day. And uh, Betty tells us all about the Crochet for a Cause project. Good morning, Miss Betty. Um, I just wanted to talk with you today a little bit about your project crochet for a cause i would love to hear um, about how you started crocheting as best i remember at church they had a class teaching the younger people yes something and i don't know who who helped me but that's where i got started that's where you got started well that's a wonderful thing i'm glad you learned that because you have helped so many people um, over the years with your beautiful crocheting, your creations. Tell me a little bit and our listeners a little bit about what type of things do you crochet? Oh, I make, everything has to be well, mostly flat. Oh, I do make the little hats for babies and children. I don't go any further out yeah. as far as style than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen the hats and the beautiful um, sh prayer shawls that you've made, and, and it's just wonderful what you do. And you've gotten uh, some of your neighbors there at St. Paul Village involved. Is that right? Oh, do we had a class. Oh, did you? We had a nice, real nice class with quite a few people. But it sort of broke down a little bit, but we did have, at one time, we did have a real good class. That's really wonderful. I know that um, this is something you've been dedicated to for many years, and I know you've probably by now crocheted 
hundreds upon hundreds of of items. I know Chris Lemon is in charge of making sure those get into the hands of people who need them. Do you know? Oh, yeah. Do you know some of the places that she's sent them to? I know she's told me hospice, and I think maybe um, some of the hospitals as well. Yes, and the schools. The school. That's right. So you are neighbors there with the uh, John Parker School, and I know yes. those those children come over. Tell us about that project that you uh, you do for the children of John Parker Elementary. When we started, we made a few hats. Mm hmm. I've and heard it, it grew a little bit. Yeah. Chris told me she thinks this year you'll be able to knit enough hats for all the children that visit you as sort of a Christmas gift. Is that right? Is well, that what no, you plan? I just make them and give them to her and she take them to wherever she wants to take them to. She takes them. Okay. Yeah. She told me the John Parker Elementary School children are, well, there will be enough hats to give them out um, this year as Christmas gifts. I think that's wonderful. Oh, yes. Could you tell me a little bit about what it means to you to make those crocheted items for other people? Yeah. The fact that you know that, that I know I'm doing something to help someone in need because a lot of times children and not always little children may not have what they need in a bad situation like bad weather. Right. They may not have enough to keep them warm. So just to get something extra sometime is a help, I think. Oh, you are so right. I know in your 100 years of living that you've acquired quite a bit of wisdom. Is there, is there anything you want to tell uh, the folks listening to us to, to keep their spirits up during this time? What do you do to keep your spirits up? I guess crocheting is one of the things that you do. Oh, yes. Well, I've done many, 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 many things in my lifetime, dear. Yes, I'm sure you have. <laughs> uh, I've cooked and, uh, and I sew. Yes. I did uh, dressmaking, did restaurant work. So I, I came a long ways. Yes, you have. Um, I, I worked in a restaurant for someone, and then at one time we had our own restaurant. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So were you born and raised in, in Cincinnati area? No, no, I was born in Alabama. You were, okay. And <laughs> how long have you lived in Cincinnati? Since 48. Since 48, wow, for a good long time then. Yeah. Um, well, we're so thankful that you were decided to spend your retirement at St. Paul Village. I know the staff there and the other residents have appreciated what you've brought to the community there. I know everybody was excited to celebrate your 100th birthday with a big parade a few weeks back, and I know that lifted everybody's spirits. Well, that was wonderful, and I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> well, good. You, you look what everybody did. Yeah, you looked like you were having a really good, good day that day for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, Miss Betty, thank you for all you do there at St. Paul Village and um, the, with your Crochet for a Cause project. And thank you today for talking with us about it. Okay. Well, thanks. You have a blessed day today. All right. Bye-bye. Kristen, that was such a great interview with Betty. I, I so enjoyed hearing from her and learning about her 100th birthday. And, and she's been such a, a, a stalwart of that crochet for a cause 
program at St. Paul Village. I know one of our staff members has memories of their uh, son receiving one of those hats at the hospital. Yes, Brian. Um, Betty Shirley is an inspiration to all of us. I know she's inspired her neighbors to give back to others, and that's a, a good lesson for all of us. Well, great. Well, you want to introduce the next segment? Brian, I am uh, looking forward to hearing this interview with Laura Lamb, our president and CEO. Laura is a leader that I look up to personally, and, and I know all of our staff uh, values her leadership, but especially this week, um, we've looked to her to help us uh, stay on course and, and get through what are some, some tough times right now. Well, we're back this week with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. How are you, Laura? Hi, Brian. I'm doing okay. How about you? All right. Doing okay here as well. Good to be back on our weekly segment with you. And certainly it's been a, a busy week in, at ERS. It's nice to, nice to catch up with you again. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I know you recently took a trip up to uh, Shawnee Village um, to visit with uh, the staff and residents up there. And, and can you tell us a little bit about that visit? Sure. Uh, well, the circumstances weren't um, good that prompted the visit. Maybe we can talk about that in a bit. But um, yeah. yeah, I was at Shawnee Place with Kathy Eisenlin and had a chance to to share a meal with um the staff uh, that work at Shawnee Place um, kind of just, they needed, they needed some care and some love on, and um, we wanted to be able to provide that. Um, and I just really enjoyed it because it's, it's always so good to hear what's going on at our communities firsthand. And um, they were sharing with us um, lovely stories about how they're serving their residents. I'd love to share with you a couple of examples, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I'd love to hear them. That's always fun. Yeah. One of the things the affordable living communities are trying to do is um, to have a, a doorway lunch. Imagine we have residents that we've encouraged in our affordable living to, to not go out. You know, we've provided um, meals to their door through some of our donated partners, whether that be La Rosa's or La Soup or others, um, Taste of Belgium, just to name a few, but wow. the staff want to do more. So um, they, through their own creativity and ability to secure donations, have kind of set a goal to have one meal a week provided by the staff and served to the residents. And because we're really not encouraging um, group um, meals at this point for obvious uh, COVID-19 reasons, uh, the staff at Shawnee Place uh, literally package these meals and take them door to door to 80 residents every wow. Wednesday. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. That is, uh, and it's, they literally, they prepare the entire meal. Um, most 99% of everything they're preparing is donated. And, you know, this week, I think it was goulash. Last week was burgers and hot dogs because of the holiday. Um, and the creativity was just amazing. And it was so neat to, to hear them, you know, talk about how they secured supplies and how they were being really frugal and just making something 
out of what other people might think is nothing, but it, it's a meal for our residents and it's a chance for those three women that work at Shawnee Place to lay eyes on each and every one of our elders each mm -hmm. week yep. to make sure that everyone is okay and safe. And if they need anything, they, they know that the team there is just a phone call away. So it, it was just energizing. It really was. Well, that's, that's so special. I know the, those, that, that team up there really goes out of their way to look after our residents and as well as our, uh, our entire affordable living staff find such of great of serving others and um, taking care of our elders. Yeah, I came home and told everybody at the house that we were having leftovers in honor of Shawnee Place. We're going to make up something out of nothing here. <laughs> that, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. good. Along with that line, I know you went up to Shawnee because there was some damage to our building up there. But, you know, this week has certainly been a, a heavy week on a lot of people's hearts. And um, I know you've communicated with the staff and and. I think it made me very proud to know that we have an organization that really has values that respect uh, diversity and inclusion. And I know it's been weighing on your heart, but what, what, what are the things that I, I think maybe give you solace in, in ERS as an organization and how we, how we respond to these, these challenges that we're seeing uh, right now in life? Well, you said it just the way I shared in the email that I sent out is that, you know, literally I feel like my heart is breaking for our country, for our families, for our residents and our staff. It's just literally heartbreaking what's going on. And, you know, in these times, I, I do what a lot of people do. I turn to my faith and my faith tells me that we, in times of trouble, we really look at our values and, you know, what motivates us um, to, to be who we are. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I am incredibly proud of the organization and I, I feel so fortunate to work for an organization that has uh, values uh, that drive our work. And, you know, I feel like we start with a celebration of that we believe that all individuals have infinite worth. Yes. They deserve respect mm -hmm. and they need to be treated equally. And then you really turn towards our value of inclusion and inclusion is the absence of hatred and division and, and racist, right? right. Um, views. Yep. So, you know, so I, I have to start with our empirical being and then and drill down. And, and then I think it's so like ERS you know, we are a yes and culture, we're a can culture, not can't. So I think then you, you have to as individuals and collectively as an organization say, you know, what can we do? Because I feel like, and I have felt this personally, um, you feel helpless, don't you? You do. You feel like the world, you know, the world I know and the people that I in my family or in my social group or in my friend group or my, my, my staff, my residents are hurting. Yeah. And uh, I know they look to all leaders, me being just one of them for guidance and direction. So I felt like it was really important for 
for ERS to say, me personally, to say, let's focus on what we can do. Mm-hmm. You know, we can learn. We can have a conversation. We can learn about the realities of um, implicit bias. Mm-hmm. We can reinforce everything that we've done over the years to make sure that we are a inclusive and diverse workforce that represents the communities that we we serve. Uh, we can strive to, you know, provide the health care that some um, that racial disparities sometimes uh, limit access to. I mean, that's really one of the things that affordable living has yes. done so well yes. is make sure that socioeconomic or any type of um, disparities in society don't um, negatively impact our residents when it comes to healthcare. So we can uphold that. Yeah. We can participate in peaceful demonstration and protests. We can, you know, seek to understand um, instead of being heard as people. You know, I I don't pretend to have a perspective that somebody else does, uh, right. but my job is to understand their perspective and understand what their experiences have taught them and why maybe they feel the way they do that may or may be different than how I feel about a situation. Right. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I want everyone to know that at the end of the day, I want everyone to go home to their family. So we have to be smart and safe and understand that um, these are dark times. They're difficult with times, but together with love, we can, we'll get through this together and uh, I'm committed to, you know, making sure that I'm doing my part in my world to eradicate racism and make sure that this is a culture of anti-racism. Yeah. Well, and, and to give you credit, I think there's so many examples of you working towards eliminating the isms in our world, whether it be ageism or a bias towards those with um, Alzheimer's or dementia. Um, I, I think this organization is um, a very, very diverse and well-rounded based on race, religion, background, sexual orientation. Um, so it's so important to, to listen and, and to embrace that diversity that you've so well-defined and, and embraced. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. It, it's, a, it's a work in progress, isn't it? It, it, it is. It, there's always more that we can do. So I appreciate that compliment and we'll continue to carry on all of us. Sure. Well, yeah, it's certainly been a heavy topic, maybe a little lighter of a topic um, this week. Uh, I know you sent out an announcement to residents that, uh, um, you know, we will start opening up and doing more life enrichment and wellness activities. And I know you had an opportunity to, um, sit down with our life enrichment teams to be creative this week. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was fun. That was um, a highlight of the week so far, <laughs> uh, for <laughs> sure. Um, you know, I think about our staff, every one of our staff, no matter where they work in our thir- on our 30 campuses in three state, every job has changed with COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think if you wanted to rate how much certain jobs have changed, I would say life enrichment 
has really changed. I mean, we took, you know, you can no longer congregate. <laughs> well, that's like a tenet of life enrichment, right? Right, gathering and hospitality and enjoying a meal together and enjoying an event together. Yeah. So um, we decided as an organization that you know, we, we're better together. <laughs> Here we yeah. go again. We're better together. So yeah. instead of having life enrichment at Dupree have to think about their life enrichment calendar different than affordable living or ECH or Marjorie Lee, why not just get them all in the same Zoom room and do some sharing and some brainstorming and and figure out, you know, how we can build on one another's ideas. So, you know, maybe there's an idea that we have it that starts at ECH and, you know, on the surface, it's like, well, that would never work at Marjorie Lee. Well, again, the yes and culture that we have is what's that nugget? What's that idea? What's that inspiration? And how can we take that and make it work for the the audience or the resident group that you serve. And I, I, I was so proud of the team. They, they did a great job um, sharing and brainstorming and building on one another's ideas. And, you know, they were all committed, um, particularly the Cincinnati campuses that now that there's some new guidance that we're working under, those get, um, folks have to go back and redo their activity calendars yeah. now that we're able to um, make more um, small group things happen. So still social distancing, still wearing masks, still observing every one of the guidelines that the governor's given us, but um, kind of seeing what we can do within our walls to um, make sure that residents have meaningful and purposeful and engaging opportunities. Well, that's wonderful. And obviously that's what makes you know living in our in my opinion, living in our community so so special and valuable is that engagement and that enrichment that uh, uh, the staff offer to our residents, and oftentimes we receive back from our residents uh, in the programming. So that's absolutely, absolutely. No, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot great. of fun. Great. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me again, uh, Laura, this week. Um, I hope you have a, a great rest of your week, and uh, we'll look forward to getting back together next week. Great, Brian. Looking forward to it as well. All right. Thanks so much. Brian, thank you for that interview with Laura. There was a lot there for our listeners this week. I really enjoyed hearing about the innovation that the life enrichment directors are uh, taking on, keeping our residents engaged despite, you know, some of the restrictions that we have in place right now, but that's not slowing anybody down. We're offering a lot of activities and ways for our residents to stay engaged. Yeah, that again, just makes me so proud. Um, all of our conversation there, how our values of inclusion, as we discussed, uh, the racial tensions this week and being innovative, you know, in a time where uh, we really have to think outside of the box to serve our residents. Um, so I'm, you know, so proud of this organization and, and to work with Laura and our whole team across ERS. It was very special. So with that said, um, our next interview is with a resident from Dupree House. Her name is Nancy Spatz. Um, Nancy is very interesting. She's actually worked for the uh, ERS organization and at Dupree House in the life enrichment before she just recently became a resident this past fall uh, at Dupree House. So 
We're going to hear from her. She's got a really interesting take on life, and I really enjoyed her conversation. So uh, let's hear our, our interview with Nancy now. Resident Nancy Spots. Nancy is been a uh, moved into Dupree House about seven eight months ago in October of 2019, and we're so glad to have her. Actually, the interesting thing about Nancy is she worked in our life enrichment uh, group uh, at Dupree House many years ago, and uh, so she has a, a really good understanding of the community and the uh, ERS organization over those years. Welcome, Nancy. We're glad to have you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It feels like I'm being back home again, so to speak. <laughs> it's been about 10, 11 weeks now since kind of COVID-19 has taken a hold on our communities and our society. And I think that one of the first questions I've just been asking people are, how are you doing? How, how are you holding up during this time? Brian and I, I think I'm holding up well. And I say that probably for several reasons. First of all, I was an only child, mm -hmm. uh, born to elderly parents, and uh, I'm accustomed to being alone. I didn't have any siblings. And so as a consequence, you kind of make your own entertainment or you do things uh, that are entertaining to you, or maybe your parents have told you they want you to learn tennis or something like that, and you go out and practice those things. So for one thing, I, I've lived alone a lot. Also. I'm a very, very accustomed to change. I've been happily married twice. Both gentlemen are passed away, but we moved a great deal because their jobs, one was a sociologist, one was a, an engineer, but mm -hmm. our, their jobs required that we move even overseas. And I lived overseas in Hanover, Germany for a while, but I have moved and it, don't laugh now. I have moved 24 times. Wow. Uh, my move to, to Dupree House was my 24th move. By that, I mean the truck comes up to the, your front door, puts all your possessions in it, and right. drives away. Wow. So that is something that I'm accustomed to. And it was, it was exciting because we didn't have children. So as a result, I could see new cities, new states, new areas of the, the world. I found that positive. And then also, I am a positive person. Ever right. since I've left home at age 23, I've kind of concentrated on the fact it's important to be happy. Yeah. You know, we're only on this earth about 100 years. And mm -hmm. by golly, that's not very long. Right. And I just made up my mind when I left home that I wanted to make those 100 years as positive as I could. And of course, we have problems from time to time. But yeah. that doesn't mean you can't focus or that I couldn't focus on being happy and being positive. So those well, things I think have helped me a lot. Yeah, I think that's a great outlook in life and, and how to be positive in life. That's something my father certainly taught me a lot about. So I, mm -hmm. I, I yes. find that very interesting. So what kind of yeah. things have you done to stay active and engaged while social distancing during this period, Nancy? I know mm -hmm. you, you like your walks, right? Yeah, I like to walk. Uh, Hippocrates, the founder of medicine, used to say, walking is man's greatest medicine. <laughs> My father <laughs> told me that. My father was a doctor. And so walking is something I do. I do. 
Uh, not everyone can do it. But bottom line is I do exercise. And I have a calendar, actually, that I keep just for my exercising. Uh-huh. And because I get on the floor and exercise every morning in my apartment for a half hour. And then I try to walk three miles every day. I don't uh-huh. always get the three miles in. Sometimes it's only two. But mm-hmm. I mark it down and I make myself do it. Otherwise, if I didn't mark my calendar, I might skip it. And I don't want to do that. So I think it's important. Uh, also, I'm, I stay busy because I'm the trustee of a trust company mm-hmm. fund that I have to manage. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, also, I have business things that I have to do. And uh-huh. so I have those business affairs that have to take care of. Right. And then I, I read, uh, I teach courses at the university, and there are two books that I really, really use as textbooks. Uh, one is written by a man by the name of Colin Powell. You probably recognize yeah. that man. Absolutely. He almost ran for, almost ran for president. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and some of his positive things that he says in this little book called It Worked for Me is, is just wonderful. Hmm. Um, he, 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 uh, was of course a general right. and, uh, he says very often people will ask him, when did he graduate from West Point for example? Uh-huh. And he'll say, I didn't graduate from West Point. I went to actually a Morris High School in Harlem. <laughs> oh, you, you, you didn't graduate from West Point and you did all of these wonderful things. And he said, no, that's right. But he too is a very positive in his attitude. So I've been rereading that book. Mm -hmm. And then I, there's another book. uh, Scott Hamilton was an ice skater, as you probably know. Yeah. And uh, Scott Hamilton's book, the grade eight is so, so, so positive. And so I I keep rereading those uh, and and I I enjoy them. You know, they're, they're helpful. And it reminds me to be positive. Yeah. And also then finally I have a T-Bird sitting out there in that garage. It's a replica of a 1956 T-Bird. Oh wow. And it was it's not a not a real one. It's only a replica. And so I have to take care of that T-Bird. I love that T-Bird. It's just I love cars. I think they're great. So they it makes me happy and I can drive it around the property here. Uh-huh. Not go outside, but drive uh-huh. around the property to keep it, you know, uh, in battery up and yep. all that sort of thing. Yep. So that's what I've been doing. Well, very good. Well, that, that's that's very interesting. And, and I think just a, a good transition. You were talking about positivity in the books that you read and teaching at uh, oh, yeah. university. So what are you drawing on from these past situations <laughs> or maybe crises, you know, whether it's personal in your personal life or maybe a, a national crisis that you've you've lived through that helps you get through a challenging time like this? I think this pandemic situation is the only crisis I've ever been in. I I feel very fortunate. I've had a very relatively happy life. I mean, uh, uh, my father was a doctor. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little girl, even at the age of five or six or seven or 10, he would take me to the hospital with him if he had an emergency. He was an anesthesiologist. And he'd take me into surgery, and they'd wrap me up in sterile gowns, and uh, I could watch the surgery. Oh, my God. And there was a, a bucket underneath the surgical table back in those days, because mm-hmm. when they used sponges to sop up the blood, you know, for yep. the patient, they would throw those sponges in that bucket because they had to count them, make sure they got all of out of the patient. Mm-hmm. I thought they were throwing their insides in the bucket. I thought oh, this was God. terribly entertaining. 
And and so I just loved it. You know, going to the hospital was wonderful. Yeah. But I also learned with my father that, that people get sick and people die. Yeah. And so I think as a result of that and his very gentle way of, of explaining this to me, it was very helpful to me. Because I, again, I, I've only got 100 years to live at the maximum. I'm right. getting close to the end. But anyway, I only have that period of time and, and it's the time that you should be very positive. Yeah. I don't know whether I should tell you or not, but when my father would, was, when I was little, he'd take me to the circus and he'd always buy me a lizard. And we'd take the lizard home because I wasn't allowed to have pets in this big hotel I lived in. Uh-huh. But I could have lizards. And the lizard, I could, it would last for a couple of days. And right. instead of flushing the lizard down the toilet, my father would get an empty cigar box. Mm-hmm. He would put a little bit of cotton in it and lay the lizard in the middle of that. And we'd go out in the backyard of the hotel, some not pretty area, and he'd dig a hole and bury that lizard. I think that was my father's way of teaching me about the fact that people do die, that things do die. And this was a very educational thing, but he didn't phrase it in that way. It was just something he did for me. And I appreciate that as I've grown older, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that is a, a good lesson. Um, you know, we've certainly, yes, we've, for a child, a our small kids, child. Yeah. Our kids um, you know, have had hamsters and uh, every few years uh-huh. they, right. they pass away and you try and honor, exactly. you know, to, as a life. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess my last question, Nancy, you know, after all this is over, hopefully at some point soon with the virus. <laughs> what do you look forward to most in, you know, in returning to a more normal life? The first thing I'm going to do is get my hair cut. <laughs> yeah. Is that all right? That's all right. I get it. <laughs> That's the first thing. Yeah. And, and really, uh, it'll depend on what the season is. But if it's wintertime, I think I have enough clothes. Right. If it's still summertime, I might like to go out and do some shopping and get yeah. get that uh, done. And then finally, I want to finish decorating this apartment because I've gotten interrupted yeah. plans. You know, when when you move twenty four times, you you become an interior design person. Sure. You think you are, you're not really. So <laughs> yeah, I want to do some of that. So I even have the kitten, our new painter Christopher was in this morning. Uh huh. He's going to help me get some colors, maybe. But in any event, I'd like to make it a little more homey than it presently is because, again, I haven't been able to have uh, men come in or women come in uh, yeah. to do any decorating because of yeah. the virus. So, yeah. Yeah. But that, that, those, th- those three things, I think, take care of me. Life's been certainly on pause here for, for a little while. Yes, it has, right. But that's all right. And, you know, I think it's important for us to recognize that, that there are – laws in the state of Ohio. There are laws that say some of these lockup situations are imperative. They're, they're, this organization is a communal organization and right. it has standards which are legal standards that have right. to be enforced. So it's, um, it's, we're, we're being protected by these legal guidelines. Right. They're designed to safeguard our health and our welfare and our lives. Right. And it's very important to recognize that the administration is doing their best to protect yeah. us. And so far, we've been fortunate. We haven't had any problems. So yeah. thanks to our, our leaders. 
That's great. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. And, and we uh, will hope to catch up at some point soon. Okay, fine. Thanks once again. Talk to you soon. All right, hearing from Nancy today was great. It was wonderful to listen to her thoughts on how change and adapting to change has shaped her life and her positive outlook. She's got such a fresh outlook on life and so positive. And I actually had spoken with her probably a half an hour before the interview and just really enjoyed our conversation. So nice to connect with her. Well, that's it for uh, today's show. Thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, uh, resources to learn more about aging and the services that we offer, and much, much more. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or have any feedback, uh, please email us at info at erslife.org. Uh, that's erslife.org. Uh, we love hearing from our listeners. Uh, the Linkage podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and myself, Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer. And our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, including uh, Betty Mitchell and Nancy Spots, And of course, a uh, special thank you to President and CEO of Laura Lamb for always being available uh, to provide some updates. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to you joining our podcast next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. See you soon. Yes, Brian. See you soon. Take care.